From March 30th through June 2nd, nearly 1,900 United Methodists gathered at the Grand Traverse Resort in Acme, Michigan, to discern the future of Methodism in our state. With the aftermath of General Conference 2019 looming large behind us, and the next General Conference in 2020 over the horizon, this annual conference carried with it historic implications. It was also historic as the first meeting of the newly formed Michigan Annual Conference. For the first time, delegates from across the state cast their ballots as a single voting body. Our business began on Thursday with laity receiving instructions as to how voting would occur and guidance on parliamentary procedure. Meanwhile, the clergy session of the annual conference took place. At the clergy session, where I am a member with voice but no vote, the tone for the weekend was set. A motion was set forth to state that the clergy session would stand in solidarity with the Board of Ordained Ministry and recommending candidates for commissioning and ordination, regardless of sexual orientation or gender identity. Passionate speeches were given for and against. A request was made for a secret ballot to be collected on paper, and the vote occurred. When the vote had been counted, the statement of solidarity was approved 70% to 30%. A motion was then made to vote on each class of candidates as a whole to recognize the camaraderie that develops during the process of candidacy. This motion was supported and those to be commissioned and ordained were voted upon. Those to be commissioned and ordained were supported by a unanimous vote. This included a married lesbian woman and an openly gay man in the commissioning class. Thursday evening, we broke into our legislative committees in order to discuss the various pieces of legislation that would come before the entire body. This work included practical matters like guidelines for churches seeking equitable compensation, the minimum salary schedule, and revision of ministry shares calculations. It also included more theological work, like a resolution urging Methodists to contact their legislators to lift a ban that prevents parolees from obtaining professional or trade licenses, calling for the end of family separation policies at the border and reunification of those families which have been separated, making our churches more accessible to those with physical disabilities, the establishment of an older adult ministries team, the creation of a task force to renew our ministry partnership with the Liberia Annual Conference, and a reaffirmation of our support for camping ministry. All of these matters made it onto the consent calendar because they were overwhelmingly supported in their subcommittees. There was one legislative item that did not receive the support of its subcommittee and therefore did not make the consent calendar, and that was a resolution to recognize that life begins at conception. This last resolution did have enough support to be brought to the floor of the plenary, and given that the subcommittee had debated this motion for a lengthy amount of time, a motion to limit debate to one speech for and one speech against was put forward. When the resolution came to a vote, it was ultimately defeated by a vote of 58% against. Friday, we voted on the consent calendar and approved all of those resolutions that I just listed that passed out of their subcommittees. Balloting also began on our delegates who will represent us at General Conference, Jurisdictional Conference, 
and two alternates. Your clergy delegates are Joy Barrett, Kenitha Bigamsai, Paul Perez, and Megan Walter to the General Conference, and they'll be joined at the jurisdictional level by Brad Bartlemy, Joel Fitzgerald, Christina Wright, and Charles Boyu. Finally, the clergy alternates are Sherry Swanson and John Matt Weiler. Your lay delegates will be Diane Brown, Nietzsche Vierfergei, Jennifer Peters, and Laura Witkowski, who will be joined at the jurisdictional level by Ruby Anderson, Hoon Young Hopgood, Ruth Sutton, and Lisa Hahn. The lay alternates are Brenda Dupree and Gordon Grigg III. In addition to our regular business, we had petitions to vote on that would be sent to General Conference 2020 and resolutions written in response to General Conference 2019. The petitions to General Conference 2020 include a change to the chargeable offenses for clergy that would add domestic violence, and this petition was recommended with a vote of 99% in favor. There was also a petition to create a central conference in the United States of America. The purpose of this petition would be to change the structure of the church so that the United States would have the same freedoms already given to the rest of the global denomination to amend the Book of Discipline specifically for the ministry context of our nation. This was also recommended by a vote of 68% in favor. Finally, the responses to General Conference 2019. The first was a resolution written by Alex Plum and Megan Walther, the young adult members of our delegation. This resolution stated that the Michigan Annual Conference aspires to live into an expression of Methodism that includes LBGTQIA people in the full life and membership of the United Methodist Church, creates time and space for reflection, forgiveness, and reconciliation among our siblings who believe differently as we move into the future, organizes itself in faithful, just, and equitable structures that resist oppression, while acknowledging and undoing its complicity in systems of racial and economic inequality, and spends our time and financial resources on mission for the sake and gospel of Jesus Christ, especially with vulnerable communities in Michigan and around the world, and not on church trials, investigations, or bringing charges against clergy based on sexual orientation, gender identity, and or gender expression or related actions. This resolution passed by a vote of 68%. There was a second related resolution that had us conduct a non-binding straw poll for the sake of our conference leaders and delegation to have a sense of where the will of Methodism in the state is moving. The resolution passed, and we then took a poll with two options. One, a United Methodist Conference whose policies allow for but do not require clergy to officiate at same-gender weddings, allow for consideration for ordained ministry of persons regardless of sexual orientation, and in which appointments are made with consideration to the full range of contextual realities, or two, a United Methodist Conference whose policies include the current Book of Discipline language on homosexuality, same-gender marriage and LGBTQIA ordination along with enhanced enforcement of these policies determined constitutional by the Judicial Council. Option one passed by a vote of 69%. Finally, 
In addition to all of this business, we had our acts of worship and learning. The theme of the conference was bold, effective leadership, and we heard many times about how this is a difficult time in the life of the church. We heard time and again about what it means to be called to serve in a time such as this. My friend Dylan, who's the pastor up at Manchester, offered a poem to the new class to be commissioned that likened our calling to that of one running onto a crashed burning plane and asking for a job. Part of our proceedings, as we do every year, was to announce the closure of churches throughout the state. This past year saw nine churches close their doors. But in the midst of the difficulty and the conflict, there is life and hope. Our two guest speakers this year were women who grew up as pastor's kids in our conference, Becca Farnham and Kristen K. Grauer. Becca is an environmental peace-building educator who's worked from North Africa to the Arctic Circle, from the Middle East to Scotland. She talked about the importance in her work of finding abundance where others see scarcity, of recognizing how our own ignorance causes us to hurt others, and changing ourselves to be more welcoming. Kristen is a foreign service officer for the State Department who has served in Benin, Russia, Liberia, Iraq, France, and Côte d'Ivoire. She talked about how the church prepared her for her job by teaching her the importance of getting out to serve our neighbors rather than having a country club attitude toward the world. We also heard from the Board of Global Missions who's celebrating 200 years of being engaged in mission through their predecessor bodies. The first Methodist mission society began when John Stewart began the mission to the Wyandotte in Upper Sandusky, Ohio in 1819. When the Wyandotte were forcibly moved west by the federal government, the Methodist church fought for them to keep their homes. In the end, the Wyandotte were forced out and left their land to the church. On September 21st this year, the United Methodist Church will be returning that land to the Wyandotte people. The last word of the night, Saturday, was given to a young woman representing the youth and young adults of the conference, who declared that even though they did not always know if their church loved them or if they could stay in their church, they had decided that this church is their church, and they are going to stay and fight for it to be the fully inclusive place of justice that it is called to be. These are just snapshots of all the ways in which the Spirit is breathing life into the Methodist Church in the midst of our present chaos and conflict. Annual conference was, as it is every year, a time for business, but it was also a time for great spiritual renewal. <laughs>